And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Well, I had this I had this shot all set up, all ready to go. And senior office dog decides not to cooperate. <laughs> he is not uh, he's not where he's supposed to be. So uh, you you get a shot there of the empty bed. We we were talking last night on the Ranker Pit about how we had uh, kicked around ideas for uh, an OnlyFans for the office dog. And it would be shots like that, but uh, he doesn't seem to be, want to be cooperating very much. Welcome, everybody, and hello. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi for Me. And we didn't have a show on Friday. We didn't have a show on Monday. Monday was a holiday, of course. We didn't have a show on Friday because we've been having some tech issues here. And uh, I don't know that we're, I, we may still be having some tech issues. I'm not sure. We got an email from Lance t- telling us that our audio was lower than most of the other channels he watches. And it's been, it's been somewhat of a bugaboo for me to, to try to get that to work because I hear it a certain way different from how everybody else hears it. So the levels and all of the winky blinkies that I've got in here tells me that it's the proper level when it might not actually be at the proper level. So if any of you are having low audio issues, uh, please let me know because we're, we're trying to get that worked out. I've got a couple of things that I've tried as, as, a, as a fix. So we'll see. All right, so Dave and Syphos now both say that it sounds good today. So hopefully, hopefully what I did in the back end is, is going to work. Uh, if you are listening to this program as a podcast, we're on a number of different podcast platforms, but I do invite you to check out the live show every now and again. Those of you who are listening in uh, Russia and Germany and Mexico and Spain, it's good to have all of you with us as well. Cam says, I hear static. Uh, okay. Um, I don't know if that's coming from us. I... I that's that's ironic because most of the time I hear static today I don't which is really weird because the there's there's a there's a cable I think I think the cable is going bad I'm not sure anyway well we're it's a work in progress it, it, it wouldn't be one of our shows without tech issues right maybe I don't know <clears throat> anyway all right so uh yeah we didn't have a we didn't have a show on friday for a few reasons mainly the tech the the technology issues that we were having but also because i i did not trust myself to do uh to do a show on friday because uh mr biden's speech thursday night in philadelphia had me so incensed uh i'm not going to get into it too much but i find what he said repugnant and i i have this topic that i wanted to cover 
with regard to artificial intelligence, and I knew I wouldn't be able to do it justice on Friday because I was so angry. And still might be a little bit because the weekend didn't get very much better. Uh, but yeah, we, we're past it. We're, we're, we're moving on. We're doing some stuff. Uh, and yes, Cam, you're right. Gina Carano was absolutely 100% correct. Because, well, no, I'm not, I'm not going to get into it today because that's not what this kind of, that's not this kind of show. I, I, we're, we, we don't, we don't, we don't talk politics here much. <coughs> Needless to say, Thursday night's speech has, uh, has, has touched a nerve, let's say. But, you know, it, I guess maybe is it, is it a point of pride if I'm now an enemy of the state? I mean... Is that is that how that works? Do I do I get a badge for this? Is there a is there a challenge coin that we all get or something? Is there some some way that we can identify each other? Is a secret handshake or you know some kind of a gesture or something? We said I'm I'm part I'm part of the extreme movement. I mean it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. All right. So anyway, all of that aside, here's what we're going to do today. Today we've got a program. I don't know if we're going to have a show on Friday because uh, we I have to be out at the Kansas Speedway for day job stuff. So I'm not sure if we're going to have a fill-in host or if we're just not going to have a program or if I may pre-record something. I don't know. I'll let you know over on social media. So that's a good uh, a good opportunity for me to put up there the list of all of our social media. And uh, I will let you know what the plan is for Friday uh, coming into this. So let's get into this. A while back, we started talking, and, and I had David Luxton on here talking about this, the idea of artificial intelligence. And there was a Google engineer who claimed that one of the, one of the AI bots uh, that it, he was responsible for monitoring and maintaining. He claimed that it had become sentient, this, this, this chat bot. Uh, a guy by the name of uh, Blake Lemoyne had said, this chat bot is, is getting sentient, is self-aware. Google, of course, saying, oh, no, pishwash, there's no way that it could do that. And most, most people tend to agree and the Turing test, you know, being in there saying, well, you know, well, it, it fools the Turing test or whatnot. I don't know that the Turing test is a real accurate way of, of a, as a predictive model on this kind of stuff. Because if you know you're being tested for how you respond, wouldn't you adjust your answers accordingly to kind of skew to give people the, the, the results that they want? I mean, if you're an AI... And you're trying to fool the fool the test. I don't know. It's it's just one of those things. But it has reared its ugly head again, uh, artificial intelligence-wise. This is from uh, the National Association of Broadcasters, and this is what touched off my my thinking about doing this as a topic, because the National Association of Broadcasters is very much uh, keeping an eye on technological developments a lot of it has to do with tools that they use for broadcasting whether it's computer controls or cameras or you know uh, uh, algorithms and using AI to supplement control systems and to automate things that are repetitive 
you know, you hit a button and this this series of events happens. You hit this other button, this series of events. You pre-program a lot of this stuff. And newsrooms have been doing this for a while with their remote control cameras. And, you know, I can go in and I can I can set up with your brand new studio. And I can bring in the robotic cameras that move on their own. And I can sit there and I can I can set the default position. All right, these are your starting coordinates within this box. The box being the news studio. And within this, I can program, I can pre-program different moves. So, okay, here's the main morning show configuration. These are the starting points for all of the different cameras. Well, then halfway through, we have an interview segment. So I pink, pink, pink the, po- the, the buttons for the interview segment, and the cameras automatically slide over to the other side of the set and readjust their height and their zoom and all of this. So... This is the kind of things that you use artificial intelligence. You use the pre-programmed moves and sit there and all I got to do is just hit a button and it does the thing. And that way you've got some consistency because every morning show, every day, it's going to be the same thing. I hit the button, the camera goes to the exact same spot every single time. Unless it doesn't, in which case you got to call an engineer because there are no more camera operators in the studio right there's nobody there's nobody there to run cameras we actually had that happen one time i was working for an abc affiliate here in kansas city and it was i think election night there it was some big big thing and uh and and the camera the remote controls for the cameras died so the computer died on the air we were on the air at the time and they had to bring in uh some of the older engineers <clears throat> because they were the only ones who knew how to run a camera. It was satisfyingly ironic. So, it, yeah, I know. It's not, it's not It's not AI the way we're talking about AI. That is a preset. But it's sort of a pre... It's, it's almost like a prehistoric AI. Uh, a, a, a pre-evolution AI. These are the beginnings because... The, the thing is you go in and, and yeah, I guess I guess that's one thing. If the camera could actually decide on a shot, that's that's somewhat AI. But you have to you have to give it parameters. And I'm not sure. Eh, yeah. Yeah. OK, I can I can see where I can see where that would be the thing. I can I can go with that argument that if the cam- if the camera s- can choose the shot, that's the AI. But this is where the this is where the beginning of it all is. So NAB has been keeping an eye on this stuff because of what it could mean to broadcasting. And this is an article here from Adrian Pennington thinking about AI while AI is thinking about everything. And he goes through here and says Google may have fired computer programmer Blake Lemoyne and hoped to draw a line under the debate about whether it's AI is sentient or not. Google says not. But that's a mistake. Lemoyne should be applauded for opening up a can of philosophical worms that will frame debates about intelligence, machine consciousness, language, and human AI interaction in the coming years. Most thinkers on the topic do not conclude that Lambda is conscious in the ways that Lemoyne believes it to be, concluding that his inference is based in motivated anthropomorphic projection. At the same time, it is also possible 
that AI models are intelligent and even conscious in some way, depending on how those terms are defined. For example, an AI may be genuinely intelligent in some way, but only sentient in the restrictive sense of sensing and acting deliberately on external information. Benjamin Bratton, a philosopher of technology and professor at the University of California, San Diego, and Blaise Aguera y Carcas, a VP and fellow at Google Research, write in an article for Noema. Perhaps the real lesson for philosophy of AI is that reality has outpaced the available language to parse what is already at hand. A more precise vocabulary is essential. And they're, they're basically saying we've got to tie ourselves up in knots to adjust the language when we're talking about artificial intelligence. At least that's how I'm reading this. That, you know, we're maybe not using the right terms. They're not sentient. They're not conscious in the sense that we traditionally think of them. But <coughs> maybe they are intelligent and sentient in other ways uh, that, that maybe they have some way of some self-determination or you know, they make decisions based on uh, external stimuli and the information that comes in it's garbage in garbage out is basically what it is we just want to redefine our terms kind of like everything else like woman or you know pronouns or whatever it's it you know let's let's stop let's stop messing with the language in order to satisfy whatever emotional we need for a particular concept here i don't know that you can have I don't know what an honest philosophical debate about artificial intelligence looks like these days. Because if you're going to talk about altering your language in order to be able to have conversations about this, where does that stop? Where's your line? Because if you're altering your language, you're altering concepts, then are you altering perceptions? Are you altering reality? Quote-unquote, so-called. Because... It's it's a slippery slope. Uh, Pennington has this other article here in NA, NAB Amplify. Everything is fake. It makes this an interesting time for media. He's talking about the rise of the avatars and the metahuman project where you can actually create your own fake person to be your avatar, to be your, your online presence. And it's not you. It's this construct, this thing that that you create an Unreal Engine or something else where it doesn't have to look anything like you and it reacts and responds to what you do and it's basically face replacement. And where where do you stop there? Because if we're getting into the metaverse, if we're going to start living online and the metasphere or whatever it is that they're trying to do, you don't have to look like you. You can be anything. And this, uh, this is talking about a guy, uh, Mark Van Rijman. Uh, he says, when it comes to deep fake issues, journalism cannot escape the fact that its old forms of reporting are under pressure due to the rise of digital information. Therefore, we need media literacy and verification to report on these deep fake videos and regarding worldwide disinformation or propaganda. I agree, 
because who knows what's real anymore? I, if if I had the time, if I had the wherewithal, I had the working knowledge of the of the software, I could do this same kind of thing. I could create a deep fake of somebody saying something, and it would look and sound exactly like it's supposed to, and you would you would have uh, have a, a, a an opinion that this person actually said this thing. You know, whether it's Britney Spears or Barack Obama or Joe Biden or George Clooney or 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 Santana or whoever. Hey, we did this interview with this with this person and this is what they said. You'll never believe it. It was outrageous. And it could be completely fake, which raises the ethical question. Is this something I, I mean, the genie's out of the bottle. We can't stop it. But how do we control it? How do we exercise control or encourage self-control because where where do you stop where do you where do you go with this and say yeah this far no further who makes those rules who gets to decide that kind of thing because I don't see this ending well. This is not. We we've seen these movies, war games. You know, somebody mentioned Joshua up earlier in the chat. War games, The Terminator. Uh, you you know you have you have you know, for every C three PO you have a Terminator. You have an Ash. You have uh, 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 an Ed two o nine. You have some kind of. You know, a Cylon, you have some kind of a technology that goes badly. And we've had, we've had all sorts of, of cautionary tales throughout history about technology becoming bigger than what we can control. And it doesn't look like it's going to get even Instead, we, we start to lean into this thing. And we, we embrace it with both hands and we hold on for dear life and say, this time we're going to get it right. And the older I get, and the more I read about all of this stuff, see, this is, this is bigger than just the use of technology. I, I, get, I get to that point. I want to I want to get further into that after the break. I, w- I want to dive into that. But you have this point where there are people who are not going to question it at all. They're not going to question the ethics of it. They're not going to they're not going to decide that we need to have rules about it because some people are blind to the potential harm that could be done. It's this new gadget. It's this new really cool thing. And and there are going to be early adopters. And there are going to be people who think it's a really, really, really cool Biggie Wow thing. And you get stuff like Facebook, like Twitter, like Tumblr, like MySpace. You get the iPhone and the iPad. And you get all of this stuff. And you get locked into all of these different things. That turn you into a product. They turn you into a commodity. Facebook is not there for you to use. Facebook uses you. Twitter is not there for you. You're there for Twitter. 
you are the commodity. You're the product that they sell to their advertisers and their government agencies or whatever. You're the product. And we we leap before we look a lot of times. And as we've gotten into the social media age, the digital age, we have allowed AI and machine learning and the algorithms to take over so much. It's like it's like having it's like having people in charge of the government who aren't elected officials and can't be held accountable. We have that now with the administrative state in, in Washington, D.C., where you have a bunch of bureaucrats, empty suits, meat bags that don't care about how you feel, don't care about anything other than their, 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 uh, their power and control over you. And you have a Congress, you have a legislative branch that has abdicated a lot of their authority to these agencies full of unelected, unaccountable people. And artificial intelligence is going to go that same way. It's going to go, it already is, it's going to go to a place where we can't, we can't control it enough. And there are going to be people who abuse it because just like every other piece of technology, there are people who are going to abuse it. Whether it's, you know, the trolls on Twitter or the bots, you know, the bots out of China or India there's always going to be abuse of new technology. As soon as you figure out how you can do something nefarious with it, somebody will do it. And people think that this is really cool. And I'll admit, when I was younger, before the age of the Internet, because I remember the before times, I remember growing up thinking that it would be really cool to live in the universe of Star Trek. With all of these gadgets, all this technology, all these computers, and these transporters, and your holodecks, and all that stuff. I thought it would be really cool. The older I get, not so much. The older I get, the more I want to disconnect from all of this. And, and, and completely do away with it. Now, my job... Both my day job as a media producer and my job as the editor here, re those jobs rely on this technology. I mean, I don't, I can't do anything without my computers and my internet or anything like that. It's a, it's, it's a necessary evil. Social media the same way. I don't use it for much other than here's a link to the show. Here's a link to this show. Here's a link to the show. Here's a link to this article. Because it has... It's, it's completely out of control. And it encourages and rewards terrible behavior. Because that's what gets the most clicks. That's what gets the response. That's what gets the engagement. Whether it's ratios or replies or quote tweets or whatever... The hot takes are the ones that get the most traffic, and so the algorithm, the machine learning, sits there and goes, oh, this must be what everybody wants to see. I'll give them more. Even over on Twitter, I get this. Because you liked this, because you clicked on this, because you replied to this, here, we're serving up all of this other stuff for you. I don't want that. 
Cyrus <laughs> says, that's why your social media fails. Too many links, not enough nudes. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Cam says, we need a Butlerian Jihad. Uh, and and Snob, you're right. Uh, most of the computers in Star Trek are not are not sentient. I mean, you get the occasional Landru. But again, Landru is a good example of garbage in, garbage out as well. Because Landru programs this, this computer to take care of his people. And then he dies. So he can't adjust any of the programming. And eventually, none of the people realize that there's a machine in charge. And so they can't fix anything. So the whole thing goes off the rails because the computer has been programmed to maintain a particular type of society. And in order to do that, you have to control people's behavior. And for all its ills, the United States is one of those places where something like this would be a terrible, a terrible thing to implement as well. Because you have people who have grown up in a society where we expect and deserve and require a certain amount of freedom. And you have all of this online stuff that's going to impact that. And, and not just in our entertainment and the things, what we get to see and what we get to watch, but... You know, you look at what's happening in China with the social media scores. You, it, it affects how, how much you can travel, what kind of job you can have, and, you know, whether you could go out to eat. And we've even seen, you know, some speculation. You know, look what happened up in Canada when they froze all those bank accounts. You know, we go to a cashless society, which is what they're pushing, and they can control you even more. Because the algorithm and the and the machine learning and the artificial intelligence and everything that's connected to everything and this you, this internet of everything, you go to the ATM, you pop your card in and we say, "I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. You can't access your bank account until you delete that tweet." That's coming. They they want that. They want to be able to control your behavior. I mean, look what's going on in California. We've outlawed gas-driven cars, gas-powered cars, by the year 2035. You're not going to be able to sell any gas-powered cars by the year 2035. You got They're pushing electric cars. Everybody get your electric car. Ignoring the fact that replacing a battery on an electric car is going to be anywhere from twenty dollars to $30,000. I mean, you might as well just buy another car. And right now... Not, not five days later, they sat there and said, don't charge your cars during peak hours because the electric grid won't, grid won't handle it. Well, why won't the electric grid handle it? It's because the last 50 years, you've had these Nazis trying to get everybody to shut down all the nuclear plants. Now there's only one left. We don't have power because somebody decided they were going to hug an owl. And our infrastructure doesn't like that. Our infrastructure can't handle what the, the demand on the system when the system hasn't been expanded to, to allow for the increase in demand. We keep wanting more and more and more and more and more electricity, more resources, whether it's water or power or whatever, 
and the infrastructure hasn't grown with the population and with the demand. And that becomes a problem because now there's not enough power. We have an emergency. We have an energy emergency. Look at what happened in Colorado. XL Energy. All of the smart thermostats in the state said, I'm sorry, Dave, you can't turn your air conditioning on right now because we're in an energy emergency. And so I was right. California is a cautionary tale. California has been a cautionary tale for decades. Look at them. Don't do it this way. And they keep voting for the same kind of people that keep digging them so, digging that hole deeper. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. It doesn't work. California is lost. Colorado may be lost. New York may be lost. Chicago, nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure, right? Because that's where, that's where we're at. And the, and the machine learning and the social media and all of the stuff online, the Internet of Things, is only letting us do certain things, talk about certain things, and we can't deal with the problems that we have because they don't want us talking about it. Instead, they want to distract us. They want us to look at, look at this artwork created by this artificial intelligence, this mid-journey, whatever this thing is. So you go to mid-journey, it's, it's in open beta, and you can sign up for this thing, and, and various different people have gotten in there, and you use various different words to prompt the art. This one here, HP Lovecraft guinea pig. And so mid-journey creates this artwork of a guinea pig with some wild red eyes and some some snarly some snarly tentacles where the mouth should be those of you who are listening to the podcast I will try to describe this as best I can or you get this one here uh, which is kind of a silhouette weird thing here's the prompt Batman sharing dinner with a whale and Bill Gates I don't see Bill Gates here I see kind of sort of an orca at a Batman silhouette he's wearing a tuxedo I mean this these are these are completely generated by artificial intelligence and there's going to be some repercussions on that as well we're going to get into that here right after the break don't go anywhere we'll be right back broadcasting from a device built by a teenage genius using leftover parts from an erector set this is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Hi everyone, Jason Hunt here, inviting you to join us every Saturday morning for news. The week's headlines in science fiction, fantasy, horror, comic books, video games, plus Comic-Con updates and the weather, and the occasional interview along the way. We call it Good Morning Multiverse. We hope you join us every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central, right here on Sci-Fi For Me TV. The H2O Podcast, Monday night at 8, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV.
Back live from the bunker, Jason Hunt here along with all of you. Talking about uh, artificial intelligence. And the potential harm that could come from it. And let's 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 get into this because uh, yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been a subject of controversy here uh, recently, as a matter of fact, because of all of this AI creating art and and whatnot. Uh, and Dave uh, mentions it here, and and this is uh, this is where we go next. Wasn't there an art contest recently that was won by an AI? Yes. Ish. Story in the Washington Post. <clears throat> he used AI to win a fine arts competition. Was it cheating? That's the headline. This is from Drew Harwell on September 2nd. Uh, it says here, when Jason Allen submitted his Theta d'Opera Special into the Colorado State Fair's fine arts competition last week, the sumptuous print was an immediate hit, beating 20 other artists in the digitally manipulated photography category to win the first place blue ribbon and a $300 prize. What Allen had only hinted at, however, was that the artwork had been created in large part by an artificial intelligence tool, Midjourney, that can generate realistic images at a user's command. The portrait of three figures dressed in flowing robes staring to out to a bright beyond was so finely detailed the judges couldn't tell. Allen's piece offers a clear example of how rapidly AI-generated art has advanced. Trained on billions of internet images, the systems have decisively pushed the boundaries of what computers can create. But it has also sparked a massive debate over the meaning of art, with Allen facing accusations that he had been deceptive in beating out other human artists with something he asked a machine to create. And uh, those of you who uh, are seeing this in the in the uh, in the video, there's the artwork, and it is a it is an impressive piece of art. It looks like something out of you know you might find like uh, in Dragon Magazine maybe or or something like that. It kind of looks like concept art for John, uh, a John Carter film. Sadly, we're not going to get another John Carter film. But this, you know, it's it's okay. This is this is decent artwork, but it's machine generated, and and it does raise the question: Is this Jason Allen's work? Ostensibly, it is because he's the one who said, "Do this." He programmed the parameters of the artwork into the AI to generate that 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 image. So on on one level, it's his work, but on another level, no, it's not. It's a generated image from a computer, and the computer makes things up. Now here's here's the other crux of this dilemma, because the way Mid Journey works, as I understand it, and and they touch on it here in this article in the in the Washington Post, the way Mid Journey works, and I'm assuming the other ones do the same thing, Dolly and 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 the different ones that are out there. It scans millions and millions of images across the internet. Again, you're the product, right? So this this artificial intelligence looks at everything. 
and does comparative analysis and takes a look at what things are and how things are described and all those other things. So when you say woman in a dress, it has a frame of reference for what a woman in a dress looks like because it's looked at all of these photographs of women in dresses. Squirrels holding lightsabers. I mean, you could, you could put anything in there, and the computer has a reference point based on all of its analysis of images across the web. Now, there's the question of ownership on this, because Jason Allen has this AI-generated piece of artwork, and if this artwork is based on the work of other people, whether it's photographs or paintings or portraits or whatever, is this now a copyright infringement? Because we're going to lift images from other places in order to basically create this collage image of this new thing using images from all over the web that have been created by other people. Where, where is the copyright line on this? Because if I sit here and say, okay, for our magazine cover, we're going to do a print magazine. I could go to Midjourney. I'm not going to. But I could go to Midjourney and I could sit there and say, okay, here's what I want. <coughs> dragon, dragon fighting a flying saucer. Two people in spacesuits in the foreground. Blue aliens with spears in the background coming out of the forest. Go. And I want it in the style of Boris Vallejo. I give those parameters to Midjourney. Midjourney could give me something that looks like Boris Vallejo uh, gave me a painting of a dragon fighting a flying saucer. Is that legitimate? Or is this crossing a line? Because if somebody looks at that and says, oh, Boris did a painting for you. Boris did a cover for you. And I can sit there going, no, he didn't. But it looks like Boris's work. It looks like Julie Bell's work. It looks like Joe Jesco's work. I mean, there's already a ton of black market fakes on eBay. Terry Beatty, who draws the, the Phantom comic strip for newspapers, he's constantly posting about fakes that he'll find. People who are pretending that this is Jack Kirby's work or this is Charles Schultz's work or, or you know, uh, 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 Toth or, or um, Ditko. I mean, he's constantly coming across fakes. But what if I could, I could have the algorithm scan all of Jack Kirby's work. And then I could sit there and say, okay, here's what I want to do. I want a drawing of the Silver Surfer facing off against the Hulk and Dazzler in the negative zone. Go. And mid-journey gives me something, and I say, you know, put it in the put it in the style of Jack Kirby. And I get this piece of artwork, this piece of line art, that's the Hulk and Dazzler and, and the Silver Surfer, and they're in the negative zone. And I say, look, this long-lost piece of Jack Kirby's. We just found it. Who's going to know? <coughs> Who's going to know?
Because this guy just won this first prize with something he didn't do. He might own it, he might have generated it, but he didn't do the work. He didn't draw this. It's not some collage in Photoshop where he takes a bunch of different images and pastes them all and cuts and pastes and copy and whatnot and then sketches over it and applies a filter and there's done. This is completely artificially generated from a machine. Not him. Does he deserve the prize? And then, here's the question. I say, you know, we, we put together, we're, we're putting together the print magazine. What if I decide that I don't want to pay an artist for the cover? I'll just go to mid-journey and I'll just have somebody, and I'll just have the AI generate a cover and I don't have to pay anybody for it. Well, let's take that a step further. What if DC Comics or Marvel Comics, or Image Comics, or Boom Studios, or IDW. IDW would be in the, the, in the worst shape financially. Valiant Entertainment, not doing too well. I mean, Valiant's gone to, gone, gotten to a point where they're going to roll out one comic book and do the four or five issues, and then do the next comic book, four or five issues, the next comic book, four or five issues, because they can't afford to have more than one book at it once. But, but, if all I got to do is pay a writer, and I go to Mid-Journey and say, draw me a comic book, then I can take those 28, 32 pages that are generated by Mid-Journey, and I can hand it to a writer, and we do it the old-fashioned Marvel way, where we've got the pictures, now you come up with the story. Is that ethical? Now, mind you, I've I've been listening, half listening, but I'm listening right now with what you're do doing. And uh -huh. you'd sit there and say that this will go and scan all of the Internet. What happens when you have an artist who has a portfolio that's online? You go in there, have your interview with, say, Marvel or whoever, you know, right. Acme, comic, com you know, comic books. They like your stuff, but they really don't want to pay you because we see how they don't like paying and they don't want to pay what they should be paying. What is it to stop them from sitting there and going to the machine and having them scour the net for your work? Exactly right. And produce it under a pseudonym. That kind of looks like my stuff, but... My name isn't this, but it kind of looks like my stuff because it's been able to reproduce. I mean, it's it's not just, you know, pulling 20, you know, million zillion pictures of a woman in a dress anymore. Yeah. It's, you know, hundreds of pages that I may have. And depending on how long that artist may have had that online portfolio you may have stuff from college you know if they did stuff like that then or whatever so they can put in some of those little nuances that aren't 
perfect. That's exactly right. I mean, if I sit there and it was just like I was saying, if I want to cover, if I want to cover that looks like Boris or Julie, all we got to do is just scan a bunch of Boris's art and and recreate it. Keith Birdsong, you know, did a number of covers for Star Trek uh, books. If I want something in the style of Keith Birdsong, if I want something in the style of Joe Jesco, let's go pull up a bunch of his Tarzan work that he's been doing. Let's let me see. Let me see Jesco's stuff. Adam Hughes, Frank Cho, Scotty Young, uh, uh, J. Scott Campbell. I, I could go through and I can say, OK, scan all of this work and give me a book that's in the style of of Scotty Young. And we'll put a Jack Kirby style cover on the front. And I don't have to pay Scotty Young. I don't have to pay the Kirby estate because all I did was go to some place like Mid Mid Journey or Dolly and say, "Here it is. Generate this," and that's all I do. And I could just do one panel at a time for a twenty-six page, twenty-eight page, thirty-two page comic book, and I don't have to pay an artist at all. And maybe I don't have to pay a writer because if I can come up with that. All I got to do is go back and look at look at the various different panels and I could create the dialogue that'll go along with the with the story that's being presented and I can arrange the images and whatnot and I've got a fully done comic book and I didn't have to pay anybody. Christopher says there's already an indie comic author who uses Midjourney to create and sell comics in the style of Basil Wolver Wolverton and is selling it online. See? Keely says if a comic skater made a comic book about the dangers of artificial intelligence becoming sentient, I would back it on Indiegogo. Well, let me ask you this, Keely, because this is this this raises another question, and it's and it's completely off of this. But does it have to be somebody from Comicsgate, and does it have to be funded on Indiegogo? Because if you're if you're looking at those things as opposed to what the story is. How 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 is how are you how how is that constructive gatekeeping? Let's say, and not not just you. I'm talking about any anybody that comes in here because we've got our we've got our lines in the sand that we draw here, right? Um, where if you're if you're comics gate, I don't want to do business with you. If you're not comics gate, I don't want to do business with you. If you're crowdfunding on Kickstarter, you're 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 a you're a social justice warrior. You're a terrible person. If you're on Indiegogo, you're a fascist alt right Nazi. When do we stop doing that? Because there's a bigger problem. There's a bigger issue at hand here, and it's not just this artificial intelligence stuff. But the social media and the internet and all of the things that we find on it has contributed to this us versus them everything. And this is going to be just another one of those things. There are going to be people who look at this and they think, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. You're creating art in just a different visual medium. And there are going to be other people that sit there and say, hold the bus. You're using my artwork as the basis for yours. I want some credit. I want some compensation. I want to be paid. 
for my work as reference. We've seen this uh, of late in the last few years especially where if you have an artist who creates a cover or does some artwork in the style of somebody else. Let's say Adam Hughes decides to do a Swamp Thing cover and he does it in the style of Bernie Wrightson, for example. I'm just putting a couple of names together. So Adam does the cover and he'll sign it, his usual A-H that he's got, after Wrightson. There's an acknowledgement there of who inspires him. Joe Jesco does the same thing. Everybody who's doing homage covers will indicate who they're paying homage to, whether it's Dis Ditko or Kirby or, or uh, uh, Ramita or any of those guys, right? So would this be the same kind of thing? If I use Mid-Journey to generate something based on the artwork of Steve Ditko, would I say based on Ditko? Can I get away with it then? Can I, can I create something and say, well, this was inspired by the work of Will Eisner? Is that enough? And it still doesn't answer the question of whether or not it's my work. I can give Mid-Journey or Dolly the parameters, but I'm just giving it words. I'm just giving it instructions. I'm, 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 I'm inputting a bunch of ones and zeros and say, this is what, it, this is what I want. Is that art? I mean, it clearly, I mean, you look at, you look at the image. I mean, the image, it's an impressive piece of artwork. No question about that. But whose is it? It reminds me of a story from a few years ago. And I don't remember where this was, uh, how long ago this was. I want to say it was a National Geographic photographer. Or somebody who was a stringer or something. He was over in Africa, I believe, if I remember this right. And the camera had been set up. <clears throat> and somehow, while the photographer was away from the camera, a monkey snapped a picture. A monkey took a picture with the camera. And it got published. And there was a question then after it got published and after the story came out of who actually took the picture, because the photographer didn't take the picture. He got the credit for the picture, but he didn't take the picture. The monkey did. So does the monkey, legally, the monkey owns the copyright. But the monkey is not a person. The monkey can't own anything. The monkey doesn't have those kind of rights. Christopher sends me a, a, a link to a YouTube video. Phil FTW. Phil for the win, I guess. Mid-Journey. How to create a complete graphic novel in one day. Well, that would certainly clear up a few, a few issues if, if DC and Marvel have problems in the pipeline. But who owns it? Whose artwork is it? Does it does it belong to the AI? 
does the AI have rights? If you're going to argue that an AI is sentient, quote unquote, does the AI have ownership rights? Does the AI have personhood rights? And then if you're making the AI generate this artwork, whether it wants to or not, does the AI now fall into slavery? See, you see where this goes. You see how stupid this can get. Because you know there are going to be people who argue that point. There are going to be people who sit there and say that we are now going to be using artificial intelligence as slave labor and how dare we. Although this work is a little bit more impressive than a room full of monkeys typing on typewriters, eventually you get Shakespeare. This is at least faster Cam's got a good question. Is this actually a new creation or just an indiscernible collection of copies? That's the question. I would, I would lean toward this being a new creation, but it's a new creation based on previous work. Because if it's scanning other people's images, whether they're paintings or photographs, or logos or, or, or taxidermy or whatever, if, if, we're, if it's scanning existing material and using that as a basis to create a new thing, and I think it's actually creating the new thing. I don't think it's copying and pasting and then drawing over it. I think it's just actually taking that information and say, this is what that shape is. This is what, this is what an apple looks like. Draw an apple. This is what a tunnel looks like. Draw a tunnel. So it's creating an original piece, but it's using all of this other stuff as inspiration. Is that is that the same as an artist using a photograph as a reference? I mean, look at Greg Land's work. Do we hold a photograph up and we draw what we see in the photograph? Is that are we copying something? Or is it just a reference? Or does it does it matter anymore? Should we do away with copyright altogether? Just open it up Wild Wild West style and whoever does whatever to whatever? Who owns it? Who has permission to use it? How do you define those permissions? Does the artificial intelligence have rights? <coughs> it's a slippery slope. And, and there are going to be people out there who take up the cause... And they're going to decide that we're going to argue for personhood, for artificial intelligence. And the argument's not going to go very far, very fast. Eventually, it might be a legitimate conversation. Right now, not so much. Especially given 
how people react when they find out that certain websites are a majority of bots. I mean, you look at things like File 770, for example, Mike Glyer's site, where he paid for a number of Chinese bots to augment his audience. Or you look at Twitter, which some people are saying is, I don't know, almost all bots. So you got this article here from, from uh, I want to say Business Insider. Former CIA and FBI security specialist says more than 80% of Twitter accounts are bots. So if Twitter is a bunch of bots, and if Twitter is run by a bunch of humans that can't tell the difference, what kind of problems is that going to cause? I mean, it already put a stop to their attempt <clears throat> to create their own OnlyFans type of site. This article in The Verge. And I, I, how Twitter's... How Twitter's young people exploitation problem ruined its plans for an OnlyFans competitor. I kid you not, folks, this is the headline. Now, I can't read the headline word for word because YouTube has got an algorithm. In the spring of 2022, Twitter considered making a radical change to the platform. After years of quietly allowing adult content on the service, the company would monetize it. The proposal give adult content creators the ability to begin selling OnlyFans-style paid subscriptions with Twitter keeping a share of the revenue. Had the project been approved, Twitter would have risked a massive backlash from advertisers who generate the vast majority of the company's revenues. Remember, you're the product. But the service could have generated more than enough to compensate for losses. OnlyFans, the most popular by far of the adult creator sites, is projecting $2.5 billion in revenue this year, about half of Twitter's 2021 revenue, and is already a profitable company. So I guess maybe we ought to do an Office Dog channel. I mean, Jeremy the Quartering put one together. I don't know what he's going to put over there. Maybe, maybe coffee brewing videos? I don't know. Some executives thought Twitter could easily begin capturing a share of that money since the service is already the primary marketing channel for most OnlyFans creators, and so resources were pushed to a new project called ACM, Adult Content Monetization. And again, a lot of us just, we post links. Here's a link to our video. Here's a link to our channel. Here's a link to our article. That's all, I, that's, that's, that's all social media is useful for anymore. Uh, continuing here, before the final go-ahead to launch, though, Twitter convened 84 employees to form what it called a red team. The goal was to pressure test the decision to allow adult creators to monetize on the platform by specifically focusing on what it would look like for Twitter to do this safely and responsibly, according to documents obtained by The Verge in interviews with current and former Twitter employees. What the red team discovered derailed the project. Twitter could not safely allow adult creators to sell subscriptions because the company was not, and still is not, effectively policing harmful sexual content on the platform. So basically, they're sitting there saying, we don't have any way of policing, moderating, 
material in it and not safe for work material that involves children. And this is this is something that we've been seeing a lot of. I mean, you, you, it's not like they want to get rid of it. I mean, there's this big media push to normalize children going to various different events where drag queens are performing. I mean, what's the matter with it, right? But you have people sitting there going, hold on. We can't moderate this kind of thing. And it's certainly not anything that the algorithms can handle. You read further down in the article, it says here, um, let's see here. Da, 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 da. Uh, let's see. There was something in here. Teams are managing the workload using legacy tools with known broken windows. In short, in outline length, uh, content moderators are keeping the ship afloat with limited to no support from health. So ev they're, they're having a problem because all of this stuff has to be moderated by people. Because the bots can't do it. Twitter cannot accurately detect child sexual exploitation and non-consensual nudity at scale, the red team concluded in April 2022. The company also lacked tools to verify that creators and consumers of adult content were of legal age, the team found. As a result, in May, weeks after Elon Musk agreed to purchase the company for $44 billion, the company delayed the project indefinitely. It basically, they basically said, we can't manage our own material. And yeah, what is that? You're right, Dave. They they have no problem tagging misinformation on the site. This is all keyword stuff. And even if you flag particular accounts for this kind of thing, Twitter has the option of removing it or not. There's still a human being somewhere that says yes or no. But if 80% of the accounts on Twitter are bots and you're interacting with them, then we're already in that, in that space where artificial intelligence has a foothold on our culture. And again, garbage in, garbage out. The artificial intelligence is programmed by somebody. Or a team of somebodies. And they're given a parameter. They're giving, given a certain set of instructions. This or that. This then that. If this then this. They're told. The algorithm is told. Learn this way. And the algorithm learns and continues to learn. And suddenly the algorithm doesn't necessarily become self-aware. But it's able to operate on its own unsupervised and start making decisions and value judgments based on the information that it already has. You can't control it. And this also removes and destroys a certain level of trust. If I don't know 
if you're real or not and if i don't know that your artwork is genuinely legitimately yours or not what does that do to us as a society what does that do to us as a culture how does that affect our behavior how does that affect how we treat each other because i can sit there and i can assume that you're a bot and i can treat you as 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 terribly as i want because i don't think you're real What happens to etiquette and protocol in those situations where we can't tell if somebody is real or not? All, you, all, all, all of us that are hiding behind avatars and usernames and, and who's real? How much of this work is real? How much of this... AI generated stuff is legitimate and how much can we trust it we've got this article here from CNN <clears throat> an architect asked AI to design skyscrapers of the future are we gonna are, are, are we gonna live in something like this does does this look like I mean this looks like something that would be on the cover of wizard magazine or Dragon Magazine, or Asimov. It doesn't look like something that's legitimate. Now, this is actually kind of cool. It looks like you're, you've got an apartment complex inside a tree. That actually looks kind of cool. Really, honestly. But would you trust a design like that? Would you, would you trust... A, a, a building that's designed by an AI. I'm not sure, of course, I would expect that the human beings would put their eyes on it at some point and measure and, and, and dissect and double check and make sure that the engineering is going to be good. But we have human beings who are supposed to be doing all of this checks for social media and how, how much of that slips by. How much can we trust this stuff? I mean, the genie's out of the bottle. We're, we're not going to get away from it. Except maybe I might, you know, get a cabin in the woods somewhere and I get away from all of it. I don't know. I just, I, 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 I look at this stuff and I think this is just... Not a good place for us to be. It's not... The world of Star Trek, the utopian society that we see in some of these stories, the, the idea that we want for nothing and we're, we're all out to make ourselves better people and whatnot, that's a pipe dream. It's nice to think about, but you're talking about a society now that spends so much time focused on cat videos and pranks and dance TikToks and let's, let's do a somersault on the bed and do a wardrobe change in the middle of it. I mean, that doesn't take a whole lot of brain power, folks. We can't fix a leak on the Artemis rocket. 
We haven't gone back into space in decades. Near-Earth orbit is all we've done. We're stunted in our growth. Our society, our culture, we are stunted. And a lot of it has to do with social media. A lot of it has to do with our education system. Not just here in the United States, although that's a big part of it. Because Jeremy Boring over at Daily Wire is right. A lot of inventions, a lot of innovations come from the U.S. because we have so much freedom to innovate and invent and create. Not just in our entertainment, but also in medicine, in technology, in space travel, in rocketry, in plastics, in, in manufacturing. A lot of innovation comes from the United States. Except now... And we have been dumbing our kids down because they're spending so much time on YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and Snapchat. And they don't know how to think. And now, here's another cheat. You want to make art, just tell the program what you want it to look like. And you don't have to be creative. You don't have to draw it, but you can say it's yours. It's a cheat. It's another shortcut. It's another, it's another way to instant gratification. That's the model anymore, right? I mean, we've got the internet at our fingertips. We can look anything up, whether it's true or not. YouTube, Facebook, Wikipedia, whatever. I mean, plink, 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 here's the buttons, and there it is. It's a cheat. And it devalues the work of people who take the time to do the work whatever it is art architecture rocket design metallurgy bridge building it could be anything civic engineering or you need to design a new overpass who's going to do it you're going to let the ai do it are you going to trust that the AI can get it done? I mean, sure, human beings make mistakes. And sometimes you get the engineering wrong about something. But do we want to always be looking for the shortcut? There are some artists who still don't do anything digitally. They don't trust it. I still don't like any, the idea of doing things in the cloud. I don't, I don't do stuff in the cloud. I don't trust it. I don't trust machines. I don't trust the cloud. I don't trust the internet. And in some cases, I don't trust people. We have to take 
ownership of our agency, to use some of the fancy terms. And yeah, sometimes working is hard. I get it. And some people don't want to do the work. They want the shortcut. But that just encourages laziness. And we know what that looks like. I mean, we saw that in the movie WALL-E. You got a bunch of people, fat, dumb, and happy, living, living on their hover chairs, watching their internet, and getting more fat, dumb, and happy. But are they really happy? <laughs> Sci-Fi Snob says, don't trust clouds. They go wherever the winds blow. That's right. Uh, Cam, I don't know that humanity has peaked. I hope not. I do I do question the intelligence of some members of humanity, and some of them are in charge of our government right now. I don't know. It just uh, it's it's out there. We can't put it back in the bottle. We can't get rid of it. People are going to use it. People are going to abuse it. People will use it for good. There will be some benefit that 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 comes from this, I'm sure. And there will be other people that will abuse it and and some some harm will come of it. Who knows? There could be some therapeutic stuff to use with this. Who who knows? There's no way to know. Anyway, all right. I will leave you with these words from everyone's favorite artificial intelligence, C3PO. This is madness. And there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.